<laughs> I honestly like didn't realize how much I would miss putting out episodes every week and I'm really happy. Well, we basically I feel like we've been doing the podcast because we've been pre-recording yeah, episodes right, like right, right. during our break. But I really missed like putting out weekly episodes. And I know. It's really fun to put episodes out. I mean, it's a lot of work. There's a lot of work that goes into it. But it is fun to see everyone's reaction to them. Yeah. But it was good to take a little break and kind of refuel ourselves for mm-hmm. our season two. We got new <laughs> pictures done. We had the chance to – we had reset. Yeah. We had the chance to like pre-record episodes, which we didn't really do before because we were always trying Try- to catch up. Yeah, it was up. like playing catch up. So anyways, we're back in action. We're back with you guys every week and we're really excited. Yeah, totally. Um, And we're together. Yeah. We're recording this from Oxford together. Yeah. We're recording this intro a tiny bit early just because we're home for the holidays. We love to be able to record episodes together and we're both going on New Year's trip. Should we talk about where we're going for New Year's? Yeah. So happy New Year. It's already 2023 by the time you're listening to this. Yeah. Um, But yeah, tell us where you're going on New Year's, Bird. You want to go first? Sure. Okay. Um, I guess we can do a little recap of the past couple of weeks. I mean, yeah, we haven't really had a chance to kind of catch up on everything. Yeah. Let's do a recap and then where we're going for New Year's. Yeah. So uh, we went to New York. We took a girl's trip to New York. Mm-hmm. Me, mom, and Bird. It was really fun. It was a jam-packed weekend, but so much fun. Yeah. What was your favorite part? Oh, I loved going to the summit. That was like I had seen that on Instagram. It's yeah. like an observation deck, but going and seeing that at sunset was like incredible. Y'all, we had to switch hotels. Yeah, we did. It was a journey, but it worked out. Um, well, after so we st- <laughs> basically we get to New York and we're staying in this hotel, and my mom and my sister like decide. Okay, it was like falsely advertised online. It was. It was falsely advertised, and it was right next to the hotel where I always stay when I go to New York, like right on Central Park South. So I was like, surely it's similar. Yeah, but I had been – so I have been in Europe staying in these like filthy little hostels. So to me, the hotel room was like really nice. And I was thinking like it would be such a funny social experiment to send my mom into a hostel in Europe and like video the whole thing. Well, this is the thing that I've (laughs) discovered about myself. Like I need to be in a nice place. Like I will sacrifice a nice meal for a nice hotel. You know, like I have to sleep in a bed that is soft and clean and I have to be in a room that's beautiful. Like aesthetics of the environment are very important to me. Yeah. I feel like I – was kind of riding the wave of like just staying in shitholes just so we could. That was probably a palace compared to some of the places. Yeah, it really was because I think I'm kind of in the vibe of like I don't really care where I stay. I just want to like because I'm always balling on a budget and being like a young Well, when you get older, the place that you stay will become more and more important. Yeah. So anyways, mom got her money refunded and we immediately switched hotels in the pouring down rain, but it was worth it. Yeah. There's something about our mom. She's like the master finesser. Like yeah. she can always – like there's nothing she can't accomplish if she puts her mind to it. Like she can always get a refund. She can always get us into a restaurant. She can like, – even if it's booked up completely. She and, does not take no for an answer. Yeah. It's a good lesson to learn It's like that quote from Kris Jenner. She says, if they're saying no, you're not asking the right person. Right. And mom always says, go for the no. Yeah, go for the no. Like what's the worst they can say? No. Yeah. But um, our New York trip was great. Yeah, it was so festive. We did the Rockettes. We did Chicago on Broadway. We did Central Park, um, Rockefeller Center. It was just a really fun, festive trip. And then we both got viciously ill after. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> we, like, 
just were so sick right after getting home from New York. And that was kind it of It wasn't the flu. It wasn't COVID. It was just, just like, like sick and sucky. It just sucked. Yeah, I know. I felt like I'd been hit by a train. Same. But I think half of it was Allie's New York itinerary because we literally like hit the ground running and did not stop till we got home. If so, you need an itin made, I'm your girl. Yeah. And the thing was, Allie said that it was a loose itin, but it was definitely like- It was structured. It there was, was some structure. Yeah. But it was worth it. We got to see and do everything we yeah, wanted to. Definitely. And I hadn't been to New York in like six or seven years. So it was I think awesome. New York is one where you can hit like every three years for Christmas and be good. Yeah. Like I think next year we should go on a different festive trip. I mean, I love New York, but like I think every couple of years is fine. Yeah. And the key is to go like the first week or the second week yeah. because I saw TikToks of like the second and third week of December and people literally couldn't walk like it was so packed so I think hitting it early is the the move yeah um and so then after we recovered from our illness um I went to Palm Beach to see Herbie for the weekend and then Bird was in Miami that week with Kynan yeah the weather was kind of bummy for my Miami trip but then I took the train to Palm Beach and met up yeah, with you guys so there's and it was this, sunny there's this train called the Bright Line that goes from Fort Lauderdale, Miami, and Palm Beach in between those three. And it's such a fun little experience. You just hop on it. Did it make you think of Europe? Yeah. It made me feel like I was back in Italy and it was it was beautiful. It's like new and it's really cheap. It's like $24 a ticket, which is way cheaper than taking an Uber. And it's great if you're flying into that area and like you're trying to go to Miami, but let's say like Fort Lauderdale is much cheaper. You can just hop on the train. Yeah. I actually flew into Fort Lauderdale because it was so much cheaper and it was like a I ended up Ubering, but it was like a 27-minute ride at the hotel, and it was like a $300 flight difference. So Yeah. Anyways. So Bird came to Palm Beach, and we got to show her around, and what do you think? Oh, I loved it. I thought it was really great. I was just happy to be in the sun. It was like the <laughs> cutest little town, and yeah, it was great. Yeah, the clouds opened up for the afternoon. It was yeah. pretty. But it's been good Like since we've been on our break. We've both done a lot of things, and we've been in – I think we've both been in really like transitional parts yeah. of life right now we've been moving around a lot I got home um in mid-November from like all of my travels so I've actually been in Oxford from before Thanksgiving all the way through Christmas and I'm moving so that's yeah. something new that's coming up I'm moving in February I'm not gonna say where yet just because I hate telling people where I'm moving before I get my lease signed because mm -hmm. I feel like it's like bad juju and if something goes wrong, I don't want like people to think I lied. Yeah. So, but I'm getting ready for a new move. Um, I'm going to be living somewhere more stationary, like actually staying for a while and not. <laughs> and it's going to be in the continental United yeah, States. Yeah, it's in the continental U.S. Um, I'm going to sign like a year lease, which is crazy. I just think that like, I honestly like not going to lie, have been in a state of crisis, honestly, <laughs> since I got home. So I was in Australia, and then I went to Hawaii, and then I went to California, and then I came home right before Thanksgiving. And right when I got home, it was really hectic. It was like the Bama weekend, yeah, like boom, 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 Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. I went to Nashville to New see York. Libby. Yeah, and it like hit me like I think the first week of December that I really did not have a plan of what was coming next, and that if I didn't make a plan, that I was going to be living at home with my mom and dad for an extended period of time. And <laughs> I just like felt so lost for a while. Like I had no idea what I wanted to do. I had no idea where I wanted to be. My friends were going in like a million directions and planning all these like travels and some of them are moving. And I just felt like I couldn't figure out what I wanted to do for myself. And oh my gosh, there was like two weeks there where I literally just cried every day. Like people, I think, 
didn't even want to be around me because yeah. I just couldn't even have a conversation without <laughs> crying. It was so bad. I cry like three times a week though. So yeah, okay. I mean, I'm already a crier, but like just feeling so lost and not having a plan. And I've always been someone like since I graduated that has had a plan like of what's coming next. So it's been really interesting to have this time at home to like reflect and come up with a new plan and figure out logistics and like I think what really helped me though was that I had to quiet like all of the voices around me because I had so many people kind of like in my ear telling me like, oh, I'm going here and I'm going here. Not really like telling me like you should do this, but feeling like I was kind of like being pulled into like Mm -hmm. their plans. So I had to literally like take two weeks almost of being like a hermit and not like going anywhere, not really talking to people and just like figuring out what I actually wanted to do, Yeah, which is kind of hard. Like when you have other people's opinions, like figuring out what your voice in your head is telling mm-hmm. you because I feel like nowadays like there's so many things pulling our attention it's hard to like quiet the noise if that yeah makes sense. I mean that's the only way that I can make decisions it's just getting really quiet and kind of away and still and I feel like we've both been in kind of a weird period I mean the thing is like it doesn't matter how old you get like sometimes you still just like don't know what you're doing with your life and yeah. you have to I mean there are seasons where you're like okay what, what's next what's my next move? What am I doing? And you just have to kind of figure it out. And it's a process and it's hard. And that's kind of where I'm at too. Just figuring out, you know, what's next for me. Um, But, you know, I actually went to a yoga class yesterday with mom and dad. And the teacher was talking about like seasons of life and how winter is the season of resting and recovering, resetting. And, you know, before you enter spring, a time of regrowth and blooming so there's a purpose for those seasons. It's like sit, be still, you know, something great is coming, but you just have to kind of sit in that period. Yeah. And it's hard because it goes so against our like ways of thinking. Like we want to go, go, go. We want action. We want to do, do, do. And it's like just wait. Like there's something in store, but it's just that waiting period that's so hard. Definitely. And it was like making me really sad for a while because when I was in Italy and like when I was in Australia traveling all over God's green earth, I kept saying like, oh my gosh, I can't wait until I'm home and I'm like stationary and like calm. And then as soon as I got home, I started like panicking about what was coming next. And I realized like I wasn't even enjoying being at home Mm -hmm. because I was waking up every morning and crying because I had no idea what I was going to do with my life. And like, yeah, I don't know. I just think it's good to like have that season of not knowing because when you like finally figure it out, you just feel like so much more grateful for having like clarity. Yeah. Um, It's nice when you can look back after like once you get out of the dark and you're in the light and you can see what was on the other side. Yeah. But it's so hard when you're not there yet. Yeah. It's so hard, especially like it's so easy once everything's done to say like, God has a perfect plan for my life. But when you're in, but when the, you're like, in it, you're just like moment shut up. of waiting. You're like, <laughs> I hate that. People are like, it's fine. Like God has a plan. You're like, shut up. And yeah. you know, but it's yeah. like, I don't want to hear that right now. I was like asking the universe and God for like so many signs that I was like taking the smallest thing as a sign. Like <laughs> I was like, okay, should I go back to Hawaii? And then I like looked down at my honey bottle and it'd be like Manoa honey. I'm like, okay, this is a sign I should go back. And like, I was just taking every single thing as a sign. I think I was like reaching too far. Yeah. It was getting a little ridiculous. Like, yeah. Anyways, luckily I'm moving more into the direction of having a plan and I'm getting ready to move. And the whole month of January, I'm going to be like kind of preparing for this move. And it's really funny because in all of these episodes we pre-recorded, we were recording them when I was like in the crisis zone. So I was like, oh, this is exactly what I needed to hear. It's like crying two seconds before we start recording. So anyways... (laughs) 
never ever believe what you see on social media. I'm just like fun running around because majority of my time at home, I've honestly been crying. Been crying. <laughs> honestly, we're big criers. I believe in crying because I just yeah. think that that emotion just festers inside of you and it's going to come out. Definitely. So you might as well let it out. Definitely. I mean, I had a crying night the other night and I just like could not get it together. Yeah. And it's fine. You it's just got to let it roll through. Yeah, you got to let it happen. Anyways. <laughs> Lots of tears. Selling <laughs> basket cases. So, um, okay. So, yeah, that's pretty much what we've been doing. We've been crying. We've been planning. We've been traveling. <laughs> we've been resting. Resting. Waiting. Yeah. Oh, I've been knitting. Oh, yeah. That is new. Okay. Or it's so a master knitter. Going into our segment of what are we loving right now. Yeah. I am absolutely loving knitting. So, y'all, I was in Italy walking the little cobblestone streets, and I was talking to Perry, and I said, look, when I go back home, I'm going to be resting, I'm going to be nesting, and I'm going to learn how to do, like, wholesome activities that don't involve a screen. And she was like, okay, well, what are you going to do? And I said, I'm going to learn how to knit. And so I told my mom this, and as soon as you tell Christy anything, she, like, immediately buys all the supplies. So she, like, went to Hobby Lobby, got all this yarn, and... I felt like, okay, I really have to do this now because we have like so much <laughs> yarn and I started learning how to knit chunky blankets and I'm really excited because they're really, really soft. Yeah. And they, I definitely want one. They're so soft. It comes to a point like every day because I do so many things on my phone and on my computer that I have to like break away from a screen. Yeah. So then I just go and like knit for an hour and it's so nice and it's so easy. I literally learned on YouTube and now I'm pumping out these like chunky blankets that like they sell on Anthropology for like $200 Yeah, and I'm just... You're like crafting Kate them out. Yeah. So here's the thing about Bird. Like she loves a craft. Like during COVID, we're sitting in her room at our parents' house, and the whole room is like collage because all she did during COVID was like make collages. No, th- y'all, this started happening. So like my oh, soft- and there are the candles. Yeah, the candles, the, the canvases. <laughs> now I knit. But okay, during my sophomore year of college, I developed like I started having anxiety kind of for the first time. And I really noticed that when I crafted, I like was a lot less anxious because like you're doing stuff with your hands and your brain. And so during COVID, like obviously we're so anxious. I was like crafting every day and like just trying to fill my time. So if you're someone who maybe like struggles with anxiety, but you like to craft, like every time you feel nervous, maybe like try picking up a craft because I always Mm -hmm. feel better when I'm like doing something with my hands and I'm not like worried and like scrolling on my phone. Yeah. So because of the crisis that I've been in since I've been home, I have been knitting a yeah. lot. I feel like you find like healing for anxiety through crafts. Crafts make me frustrated because I'm not good at crafting, mm-hmm. so I don't do that. But mine is like movement, like soothing movement. So yoga and going to the sauna and honestly just yeah. like sweating, getting really hot, which yeah. leads me into the thing I'm loving right now, which I know not everyone is going to agree with this, but don't come at me. Um, the bronzing bed. is something I am loving right now. (laughs) And I am typically anti-tanning bed, blah, 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 whatever, protect the skin. I do cover my face. Um, But it's honestly really helped my seasonal depression (laughs) because it is cold and rainy in Nashville. So I started going and – No, I've heard that people have been like – doctors have been prescribing like 15 minutes a week at the tanning bed. Well, the bronzing bed isn't – as bad for you as a tan. It's bed. not as much like UV or something. Right. I mean, I'm sure it's not great for you. But yeah. I'm, it's also not great for me to be depressed. So. Yeah, exactly. 
Um, but yeah, I've been loving it. Get a little glow. Just yeah. kind of pretend you're laying in the sun. It's so nice. Um, so that's something that I'm not super proud to admit that I'm loving, but I am. Yeah, it's the truth. Definitely. I mean, in the winter, you got to find your way. Even like those happy lights on Amazon, they're like $30. Yeah, but those blind me. I know. They're really bright. I was sitting in front of mom's and I was like, I can't see. But yeah. anyways, do what you need to do to not be seasonally depressed because yeah. that is not good. And we're not loving that. Yeah. I mean, you can't do everything 100% healthy all the time. So it's kind of like a give and take situation. Oh, wait. Hold on. Is there anything that you're not loving right now? Something I'm not loving. Um, Well, I feel like the cold obviously goes hand in hand with yeah. me loving the bronzing bed. It's but six degrees today. Yeah, it's currently six this. degrees, which is just not okay. Yeah. Um, What am I not loving right now? Ugh. I honestly can't think of something I'm not loving right now. It's kind of hard. Yeah. I think it'll come to me. I mean, besides it being cold and just yeah. dreary, um, I think that's a good sign. Maybe the bronzing bed's working for us. <laughs> yeah. My knitting. Yeah. Um, okay. So we ran through our recap of what we've been doing and our loves and leaves, but we haven't run through our New Year's plans. We both have really fun trips coming up. I know by the time this comes out, we're already going to be like on them, on them, but where are you going for New Year's? Um, so as soon as Christmas is over, I am promptly putting myself on a plane and flying back to Florida. Um, so I will be in Palm Beach with Herbie, um, for 10 days. I think that's the longest we've ever spent together. Wow. I know. It's going to be fun. And yeah, we're going to do our Christmas together, um, when I get back and hopefully just have great weather, be at the beach. Um, I really want to get a bike while I'm down there. I want to buy like a bike off Facebook marketplace or something, um and just like ride my bike i love biking when i move i want to also buy a bike because when we were in the maldives i was biking like every day and i thought it was so fun yeah just like go on a little like happy yeah i'm really i'm manifesting a pink bike with a basket yeah i can see that light blue or yellow i think i'll take either of those well um the other day, I had a little bit of a nervous breakdown because I didn't have a New Year's plan. And- well, the thing about New Year's is you have to have a plan or you're yeah. going to be miserable. Like, it just yeah. doesn't just work out. Yeah. And I, I know some people aren't, like, New Year's lovers, but, like, I love New Year's. It's one of my favorite holidays. I love being summer fun. I love yeah. starting the year off strong. Like, I love being around people that I love. Like, I just, like, don't really think I could sit at home at New Year's. And because I've been living at home for a while, I was, like, freaking out because <laughs> – didn't have a New Year's plan. My friends were like all doing stuff with their boyfriends or like going with like their families. And I was texting my friends like, what are you doing for New Year's? What are you doing? So Kynan left straight from Miami to go to Brazil for Christmas. And he's been asking me for like three months to come to Brazil for Christmas. And I was like, you are going to have to literally sedate my mom and my sister and my dad and probably win for me to ever not be with them on Christmas. And I was like, I can't come for Christmas. God, no. Ever. Like, even when I'm married, I really don't want to go spend Christmas with any other family. I know that sounds crazy. But I agree like, with that. I think before you have kids, you're not obligated to spend Christmas together. I don't want to spend Christmas with another family. But anyways, kind of going to Brazil and he finally talked me into coming to Brazil. So I'm leaving um, the same day as Allie. We're actually driving Nashville together and I'm going to Brazil for New Year's. And I'm really excited because I was having this personal crisis that I was mentioning earlier about like just not knowing what to do. And I felt like, okay, I really want to settle down. I really want to have like a home base, but I want to do like one last travel send, like one last crazy little travel send. And um, I decided to send it to Brazil for New yeah, Year's. We'll and I'm send. really excited. We're going to go to Rio. I'm going to fly into Sao Paulo and meet a bunch of Kynan's friends. 
I have not been working on my Portuguese long like enough <laughs> at all. But... Well, you never work on the language of the place you're going. Let's be honest. Yeah, that's true. I didn't know. Bird showed up to Italy not knowing a <laughs> single word. <laughs> so um, yeah, I'm going to Brazil when this episode comes out. I'll be in Brazil, and I'm really excited because I've always wanted to go and. I honestly thought like my parents were going to say like, that's crazy. It's right after Christmas. But my dad made a good point. He was like, you should go because if you're going to date someone, especially from like a different country, you should learn about their like cultural background and like their, where they grew up and their kind of way yeah. of life. Cause it's really different. Like me and kind of grew up in polar opposite ways and places. So I'm excited to go. Mm-hmm. I think it'll be a good adventure. And then kind of like feel that last like little travel itch. And then I'll get ready to move when I come back. Well, just because you move doesn't mean you're never going to travel again. Yeah. Yeah, that's something I had to get over. Yeah. I was like, if I sign a lease, I'm never going to go anywhere. And then I'm like, no, actually, you're just going to have a home. I'll just have a home. To go yeah, to. Definitely. That'll be good for you. Yeah. Um. Okay. So what question? As we go into the new year, I just saw on Instagram about this, so I want to ask you. Um, You know how everyone's like, oh, I'm in a blah, blah, blah era or like this is my blah, blah, blah era. Like, I feel like everyone's obsessed with saying that. Like, going into 2023, what era do you think you're in? Hmm. Yeah, I've seen this, obviously, on TikTok. And I think people are haters. They're like, oh, my gosh, you going to the beach with your family doesn't mean you're in a beach era. Like, yes, it does. (laughs) If I decide I want to be in a, like, sad era for 20 minutes, that's my era. Like, you do whatever era you want to be in. And I think for the new year, I'm going to be really observing, like, a – a calm era like oh I love that I'm going for like a calm girl era calm girl era like (laughs) stable girl era like establishing roots era I'm really excited because part of this move and I think the thing that makes me the most excited and like looking forward to it is that for the last two years I've been really transient and I've never had something that like felt like it was mine yeah so I'm really excited to have like a calm girl home era I think I'm just looking forward to having like a calm girl era and a homemaker era as I like homemaker. what I'm most excited about is just having a home to decorate and like always living in furnished places of like other people's stuff yeah. is like you never feel like it's actually yours right I'm excited to have a place that is still like in a really really cool location but like people can come visit me I can yeah. host people like you can hang things on the wall. Yeah, and you know you're getting like you know you're getting older. Like I saw an espresso machine, and I was like, <laughs> I can't wait to have one of my own. Like you know, I remember once when you were like crying and you called me. And you're like, I just want to go to Target. Yeah, so I think that's my era. Like I'm just gonna try to be calm. I love that. Yeah. What about you? Um. Okay. So I guess um while we were on break, I turned 29. Yeah, last last year in my 20s. And um, so every year I choose a word. And last year it was joy. But this year my word is trust and just trusting the universe and God and the plan for my life and just like trusting my journey and not comparing it to everyone else's and oh, like so trusting the time, the timing of my life. Um, and so this goes against my nature so much. But I think I'm going to go into my go with the flow era. Wow, I like that. And just kind of go where the wind yeah. takes me and not try to over plan and not try to, you know, check things off a list or have a schedule or a timeline in my head and just kind of let go and just go with it. Yeah, if there's one thing about us 
it's really hard for us to go with the flow. I like, okay, I used to tell people like, oh yeah, I'm really easygoing. Lies. That's a lie. That is a straight up lie. I'm not easygoing. I like to go with the flow, (laughs) but I need to know what time the flow starts. Like I can't just ride the wave. Like I've got to have a little bit of preparation. And that's one thing. Like I would love to be more easygoing. I will give us props though, because I do think in the past, like, you know, COVID, rehab time, like all the things that we've gone through, like I do feel like we're more... Like, if we get knocked down with something, like, we're like, okay, like, this happened. Let's recalibrate. Um, I just think you can always improve on, like, being more yeah, easygoing. Yeah, yeah. It's something that I have never described myself as. Yeah. Not once. Um, yeah, I'm but not chill, but I'd like to be more chill, so. I think, too, like, once you let go of, like, your plan, you just enjoy life more, too. You're not always disappointed when things aren't working out as you want them to or as you plan for them to. Definitely. And that's something I've learned over this like last two months of just having no idea what I'm going to do. It's like I had to come to terms with like, you know what? The plan is already out there. It's already in motion. And I can either make myself miserable the whole time while I figure out what said plan is, or I can just like enjoy what I'm doing and let the plan unfold yeah. like before me because you can either worry your way there or you know because either way you're gonna get there and it's like are you gonna get there and be miserable or are you gonna get there and be like oh look it all showed up exactly so anyways i'm down with that yeah i like these eras for us yeah maybe every week we can talk about what era we're in because no i want to stick with go with the flow for a while yeah That's, that's mine but anyway so today's guest is one that i'm really excited about especially going into the new year So today we're talking to Cassie Holmes. She is the author of Happier Hour, um, which is a book I kind of just stumbled upon. um, And it's about, I don't know, something I've struggled with is like time management and like prioritizing things. And like, I'll go through the whole day and realize that I haven't done anything that I like actually enjoy or like wanted to do. It's like I was just kind of checking off my to-do list or my schedule. Yeah. Um, and this book talks about how to beat distraction, expand your time and focus on what matters most. So it's making the most of the time that you have to where you feel like you have more because you're doing the most with it. Definitely. And I think towards the end of like 2022, we all just got so hectic. Like we've got to get this done. We have to make this happen. Like one era I want to be in for 2023 is like making the most of my day. And that's something that I love that Cassie talked about is just how to utilize every day to like find joy and feel like you're putting your time towards things that actually matter. I feel like I get to the end of so many days and I think, well, I didn't literally accomplish anything right. and I have no time to ever do anything, but I do have time to scroll on TikTok for an hour. Yeah. So I'm really excited to put Cassie's advice into play. I know we've been kind of like using her strategy since we had this interview, Yeah. But I really want to make 2023 the year of making the most of my time. Right. And one thing that she talks about that I thought was really interesting is how money isn't our most precious resource. Like we get so focused on abundance and like the abundance of money and like having more money. And it's actually time that is our most valuable resource, you know, and it's like being time poor versus time rich. And how do you feel like you have more time, even though you only have a certain amount every day? And just really focusing on creating joy in your day and beating distractions. Like you said, scrolling through TikTok, it's such a time suck. I know. And she talks about time mapping your day. So like for two weeks, you keep a journal or like a note on your phone and you write down like how you spend every 30 minute increment of time. And then not only do you write that down, but you write down on a scale from one to 10, how happy you were while doing it. Mm -hmm. And it's really interesting to see all the things that we do 
that don't actually like fill us up. Yeah. And then finding where you can cross off those things and replace them with things that actually do fill you up. Yeah. And I thought that was so smart. And so I've been doing that and it's been really, really helpful. Yeah. Cassie having this conversation with us, like right when I got home for the holidays was really crucial because I was just feeling like I was making like, I was just feeling like I was just kind of wasting my days. And I think as we go into the new year, this is such an important message for us to hear, you Mm -hmm. know, just taking the time to slow down, evaluate how we spend our time. And I couldn't think of a better message to start the year out with. Yeah. And it's make the most of your day, most of your week, month, year. Yeah. Yeah, So just a little bit more on Cassie before we jump in. She is a professor at UCLA's Anderson School of Management and an award-winning teacher and researcher of time and happiness. Um, Her research has been widely published in academic journals and featured in outlets such as The Economist, New York Times, Wall Street Journal, um, and Happy Hour is her first book. Yeah, Cassie is just overall a really inspirational person. I left our conversation feeling super refreshed, and I hope you guys will all do the same. Yeah, try time tracking. Let us know how it works for you, and I hope you can take away as much as we did from this conversation with Cassie. We're so excited to be back. Season two, and we cannot wait for a whole new year of episodes and amazing guests and conversations. Let's kick it off with Cassie. Cassie, well, I'm so excited you could join us. I've been reading your book, Happier Hour, and I'm halfway through it. And I was like, oh my gosh, we have to have her on the podcast. Well, thanks for having me. I'm excited to chat about it. And I do encourage you to get all the way through it because <laughs> the last chapter is my favorite. <laughs> oh, I know. I I actually, it, I do finish books. It just takes me a while because I have different books in different places. So I have a bathtub book, a book on my Kindle. <laughs> it's like kind of ridiculous, an audio book. So I will get through it. Just it might take me a little bit. <laughs> Dare I ask where Happier Hour is in your... <laughs> Oh, yeah. Happier Hour is my bathtub book. Oh, there you go. I feel like it makes sense, right? Totally. It's like reflective. You have a long time. Um, And hopefully you take baths. I mean, I don't know if the last time I took actually a bath. So I'm like, you may never get through it. But. Oh, no, we're bath people. We take one once a day. Major (laughs) bath people. Yeah, so being the middle child, my my reading journey usually goes when Allie finishes a book, I get passed down um, <laughs> said book. So I'm waiting for her to finish Happier Hour, and then I'll get to read it, and then I kind of pass it down to my mom, and that's just kind of yeah. awesome, so that's that's great. I can also send you one, <laughs> so you don't have be. to wait so long. Um, also, actually, as time management, um, audiobooks are really helpful because mm-hmm. you can bundle it, which is one of the strategies I talk about uh, in Happier Hour, that when you're sort of spending time on an activity that you don't really enjoy because it feels like a waste of time and you're just trying to get through it, like driving, like folding laundry, then actually bundling it with something you do enjoy, like quote unquote reading, but you could listen as an audiobook. And you get through I feel like I do that more than I notice. I don't know. I also loved that book, Atomic Habits by James Clear. Mm -hmm. He talks about habit stacking. So I feel like that's kind of similar, just like pairing things together. Um, But I love that. Yeah. 
It's yeah. it's good. I mean, like he frames it as motivation, as like to get you to do the things you don't like to do. And then my framing is to make that time more enjoyable. <laughs> yeah. Especially when you're like, like you said, driving or running. Um, yeah. Tell us a little bit about your story and your path that led you to write this book. Um, yeah. So I'm a professor. I'm a professor at UCLA um, and have been a professor in a business school throughout since my PhD. Um, and my PhD was in marketing, but it's really social psychology. So trying to figure out how does a sort of situation that we're in influence the choices that we make. And I was particularly interested in our choices that relate to our satisfaction and happiness, not just in our consumption decisions, but in our sort of experience more broadly. Um, and so I, my first job out of my PhD program, I was a professor at Wharton um, in Philly. And then being a Southern Californian who loves sunshine, <laughs> when um, UCLA reached out as, a, um, as being interested, I was like, yes, I want to raise my kids in, in sunshine and closer to home. Um, so I've been at UCLA for the last several years. Now, Throughout my career, I've studied time and happiness um, from a research perspective, um, but it's only within the last few years that I actually took the findings like the from both my research as well as that of my colleagues to figure out how do we actually apply it, um, because sadly, <laughs> not a lot of people read my published academic papers. But there's a lot of insight there. So I approached um, the administration, uh, uh, Anderson, and I was like, I want to teach a course on happiness of basically how do we apply these insights? Um, and initially they're like, what? Happiness has no place in a business school. And I was like, actually, here's all the data to suggest why our happiness is so important because it makes us show up better in our work. So happier employees are more engaged, better performers. You see reduced absenteeism, reduced burnout. When we feel happier, it makes us more creative. It makes us nicer to people around us. So I had like all the this data to suggest why it is important. Um, and so I've been teaching this course, Applying the Science of Happiness to Life Design among my MBAs and seeing the wonderful impact on my students in their day-to-day -day lives, feeling more engaged and more connected, as well as as they're thinking about designing their next sort of years in their career and their sort of path overall, um, seeing and hearing from them how satisfying uh, it was when I was approached to write a book, I was like, yes, so that these findings can reach more people. Um, and it's basically an investment guide, but instead of for money, it's about time and time so that we feel greater satisfaction and fulfillment in our days. That is amazing. I took so many business classes at Ole Miss. So did Allie. We have a business minor like through our major and I wish I would have had a class like this. And I think it's so valuable because we go to school and we learn all these things that really we end up never really utilizing, but all of this information is like things you need to know all throughout your life. So I think that incredible. happiness and business should just go together. Like you said, yeah. like when your employees are happy, when, you know, your 
it's it's just it makes everything better. I don't understand why it's taken this long for that to connect. <laughs> yeah, it has taken this long, but I will say now it's caught on. Like now, yeah. all business schools, if they don't already have a course, um, are trying to figure out how to share these insights. And I will say, sadly, actually, on the heels of the pandemic, or because of the pandemic, I used to have to motivate happiness as important. I don't anymore. Now, everybody knows just how important Mm -hmm. emotional well-being is. You know, when you see anxiety rates, burnout rates, depression rates as high as they are, as well as businesses are sort of struggling because employees are less engaged or leaving. Um, (laughs) Nobody takes happiness for granted anymore. Um, So there's such an appetite for it. And I'm so happy that the book is sort of ready to answer um, these questions now. I mean, as terrible as COVID was, I really do think that it just kind of shook up the working world and just you know, there were so many good things that came out of it, like working remotely. And like you said, mm-hmm. just an emphasis on mental health and people actually taking happiness seriously. So absolutely. Yeah. Um, and I guess just to dive in a little bit deeper, could you explain to us what it means to be time poor? Yeah, I actually start the book by sharing this story from my personal experience when um, earlier in my career, when I was still living in Philly at Wharton. And I was just one of these crazy days where I had gone up to New York to give a talk and the talk was sort of squished in between back-to-back meetings. And then I was rushing to a networking dinner and then rushing to catch the very last train that would get me home to my four-month-old and my husband who were asleep in Philly. And I remember so vividly on the train that night, just sort of looking out the window as everything was rushing by. And I was like, I don't know if I can keep up, right? Between the pressures of work, wanting to be a good parent, wanting to be a good partner, wanting to be a good friend, the never-ending pile of chores, there weren't enough hours in the day to get it all done, let alone to do any of it well, let alone to enjoy any of it along the way. And that feeling of not having enough time to do what you set out to do is what time poverty is. And it is a subjective feeling, but it's a really important one to understand and address because it is so prevalent. Um, My research team, we conducted a national poll that showed that nearly half of Americans feel time poor. And moms tend to feel more time poor than dads. Working parents tend to feel particularly impoverished, but all types of people, even those without kids, those who aren't working for pay, are subject to this feeling of not having enough time to get everything done. And that's bad because when we feel time poor, it makes us less healthy, so we don't spend time to exercise. It makes us less nice. We don't spend the time to help others out. It makes us less confident in being able to achieve what we set out to do, and it makes us less happy, and my research shows that. But (laughs) it's important to note that when you have those moments where you're like, oh my God, I have no time, like me on the train that night, where I find that I daydream, I go to, okay, 
I don't have enough time. I am unhappy and stressed. I should quit. I should quit my job and then move to a sunny island. And then I'll have like all the hours of my days to spend exactly how I wanted. Then I would be happier. But we we studied that. We researched that to answer, <laughs> like me answering myself, like, should I quit? Are people who have a whole lot more time happier? And what we found is actually the relationship between the amount of discretionary time people have and their happiness is as an inverted U-shape. So it's like a rainbow. So that means it goes down on both sides of the spectrum. Mm-hmm. So yes, people are less happy with too little time. But we also see that people are less happy with too much time, that there even is such thing as having too much available time and digging into the data to try to explain this, what it turns out is that we are driven to be productive. So when we spend all the hours of our days with nothing to show for it, then it undermines our sense of purpose. Now, there are activities that don't involve paid work that can absolutely and do absolutely contribute to a sense of purpose, like volunteer work or a hobby that sort of enriches and, you know, builds you and helps you develop. Um, But also work is a wonderful source of purpose. And I, I can say that for myself. I mean, obviously not all aspects of my work are fun, (laughs) but when I think about why I'm doing the work that I'm doing, it absolutely gives me a sense of purpose. I love connecting with students. I love disseminating this knowledge about what makes us happy. So I think it's important to sort of tell us, recognize that like in those time poor days, quitting everything is not going to bring greater happiness. It's really how do we invest the time that we have to feel fulfilled and satisfied with our days. That is the goal. And that's what the rest of the book sort of speaks to. Wow. That's That's amazing. Yeah. I feel like, you know, it is a happy medium. Like you said, it's trying to find that point in the middle of the rainbow, you know, that's the goal. And it is, it is encouraging to know that, you know, like you said, at the end of that rainbow, like people are still unhappy. So on those days, like you said, when you're just like, I just want to quit everything because I have those frequently, just knowing (laughs) that it's not the solution. But I actually think it's important to know it's not a point that you're trying to get to because that's really hard. It's actually a pretty wide range on that the top of that rainbow that's flat. So our data actually points to less than approximately two hours of discretionary time is bad. More than approximately five hours of discretionary time is bad. But between two and five hours, which is actually a pretty wide range, yeah. there's no relationship between the amount of time you have and your happiness. So that is what you're get, trying to get to is like, If only you have a couple of hours in your day to spend in ways that sort of fulfill you and in like the ways that you want, quote unquote, want, that's what discretionary time is, spending in ways that you want to spend versus have to, that's non-discretionary, then that's pretty achievable. And so that's what you're sort of going towards. And that's even encouraging because like not every day people live the exact same day. So if you know that you have a range, you know, some days are more chaotic than others, but you know, you can kind of aim for that flat 
part of the rainbow. So yeah. I'm going to start thinking about that on days where I feel chaotic. I'm going to be like, just get to the rainbow. We got to get to the place <laughs> yeah. to have a range. Also, another helpful thing to that point is like, not all days are the same. And actually, it helps. And our research shows that it helps to take a step back and take a broader perspective of our time. And instead of thinking like hour by hour and day by day, actually think about your week overall, your years overall, your life overall. And so when you're thinking about the week, for example, you're like, okay, there are going to be some days in there where I don't have any time to spend on what I want to do. But actually, then you're like, well, there's other days in the week, like weekends and maybe Thursday and Friday night, maybe even Wednesday night too, where you actually are able to spend it however you want. And that sort of perspective takes away the pressure of every moment and every day yeah. and it allows mm-hmm. you to be um, sort of more proactive of like, okay, it's about designing the week overall. Mm-hmm. Um, and Ali, when you get there in a later chapter, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it actually talks about that of like, how do you design your week overall such that it has all of these components and strategies to be able to look back at your week and feel really satisfied and fulfilled as opposed to like me on the train, just feeling depleted and exhausted and burnt out. Yeah. So you should not aim to have that discretionary hours per day. It's, it's a weekly thing. Is that what you're saying? I do, like great if you can make it in the, in the day. I mean, that's what our, the research or that particular project was looking at two hours of discretionary time in the day, but it doesn't have to like, not every day is going to be perfect. And so it actually helps to take this broader perspective. Honestly, like that's how we also got through the craziness, awfulness of the pandemic is not just thinking about the week, but thinking about life Mm -hmm. overall it gives you that perspective to be like, okay, the, this time, these months, which turned out to be years, are not awesome, but they're just a portion wow. of my broader life. Like this too shall mm-hmm. pass. Um, and that gives um, a sense of comfort. Again, it's like it takes away that sense of conflict and tension that like every choice that you make for every hour is sort of all life defining. It's not. All of those hours are just pieces, like tiles in a broader mosaic. And it's that mosaic that is the colorful loveliness of your life where you get sort of all those sort of rich aspects of you that um, shows up in its various colors and at different quantities or proportions at different phases yeah. of your life. Yeah, too. absolutely. And that way you're not putting just like so much pressure on each individual yeah. day. And I feel like that is more encouraging and, oh. you know, less micromanaging of your day. But how can we live a richer life and feel like we have more time? Maybe if we're in that kind of zone, we're just feeling like we can't catch up every single day and feeling time poor. Yeah, Um, And it's a great and important question. And there's a couple things or pieces to this. One is that the research, my data, and even what I've shared, suggests that 
it's not so much about the amount of time you have. It's really how you spend the hours that you have. And the answer for that is sort of two-pronged. One is spending the hours you have, maximizing the time spent on things that feel worthwhile, minimizing the time that's spent on things that feel sort of like a waste. But also when you're spending your time on those happy activities, of paying attention and being fully invested and engaged and not distracted during that time. So it's like, yes, it's about the particular activities that you're investing in, but it's also how you're invested during that time. And uh, so, and this is a really important point because it doesn't take a whole lot of time for a particular activity to have a big influence on how you feel overall in your week or how you feel as I sort of ask you, how satisfied are you in life? The things that you're thinking about can actually come from really like moments. So it doesn't have to be like every single hour and you have to spend so, so many hours to get the benefits of something that makes you happy. Um, It's really being intentional, both in terms of activity and how you engage in it. Yeah. I've learned that there's so many activities that I love to do. And I, when I'm doing them, I feel really happy and fulfilled and creative. But when I'm feeling time poor or I'm feeling like I don't have enough hours, I find myself like just halfway doing it, not being happy when I'm actually doing it and just kind of feeling like, you know, I'm not giving it my all. And those times where I kind of like eject and then revisit it when I feel, you know, like I have a better headspace, I notice that like the things I do are so much better, like so much more creative and so much more well done. So I think that's a really interesting point. Yeah. And also when you feel time poor, those things that you really love to do, sometimes we don't even do them. We neglect it. So like exercise is a really great example here. So there's so much research that points to how exercise is such a wonderful mood booster. Like when we Mm -hmm. exercise, it helps offset anxiety and depression. It increases self-esteem. It increases our sense that we can accomplish. Like it increases a sense of self-efficacy. And we actually found in our research that when you spend the time on something that makes you feel effective, it actually makes you feel like you have more time. It lessens that sense of limitation and constraint. And so if you actually, instead of when you're feeling time poor, like being like, I don't have time to exercise. If you actually exercise, then you're like, oh my gosh, the day is great. Bring it on. I can do you know, all that I want to do. Um, and so, yeah, it's about making the time for these things that are really important to us, mm-hmm. um, as well as, which we were saying before, is when you're spending the time, mm-hmm. give yourself that space to really be in it. Um, so that you can get all those sort of potential happiness from if you're right. spending the time anyway, get the most out of it, you know. That's a good way. Something I've noticed that I do, I wanted to ask you about is Definitely. just like self-sabotaging with time and, you know, procrastination. Like, I don't know, like I find that I have time at night where it's just like, you know, I don't have anything that I have to do, but yet I still will be on my phone just scrolling and it's like I have this precious amount of time where I could do something that I really enjoy, but then I'm like, I just wasted 30 minutes of it scrolling on TikTok or Instagram. 
how do you overcome like procrastination and self-sabotage when it comes to time? One way you can do this, and I bring it up in the context of your observation (laughs) there about like, oh my gosh, I'm spending a whole lot of time on social media, is actually tracking your time. And so this is sort of a tedious task, but it's really helpful. So over the course of a week, writing down for every sort of 30-minute increment what you're doing, but as importantly, how did it make you feel? Um, on a scale of one to 10. And then what's so cool about it is at the end of the week, you have this wonderful data set where you can look across. What are those activities that bring you, that make you most satisfied, that make you the happiest? What are those activities that are really draining and really negative? And also you can pick out some commonalities across your happiest activities. Like, oh my gosh, it turns out that I... I'm happiest when I'm outside, whether it is, you know, like exercising or, you know, with my family, whatever, like you can pick out the commonalities. I, for me, it was actually really helpful. I was like, actually one-on-one time, that is my source of happiness, whether it's with friend or like one of my kids versus both my kids at the same time, or with one colleague one-on-one versus the, you know, group lunch. Um, I found like, okay, one-on-one time. But as helpfully as identifying sort of your happiest and least happy activities, you can see just how much time you're spending on your various activities. And my students have often in doing this exercise have been like, holy cow, I had no idea that I spent that much time on social media. That is like, you have this idea that it's just going to be a couple minutes, but those couple minutes add up to like a half hour and those half hours add up to like tens of hours. And when you end, you're looking at your happiness rating, it's like a four, you know, it's not even actually that fun. And so with your own data in front of you, that is such a sort of kick in the butt of being like, you know what, even if you have this notion of like, oh, I like social media, like, oh, this is my time to scroll, like, this is my me time. But when you're like, actually, (laughs) I don't enjoy it that much. And I'm spending a whole lot of time on it. And you have this like, but I don't have time to spend on these like things I really do. You do love. Like, if you guys were in the same location, it's like meeting up for dinner. It's like, it's so easy to be like, I don't have time to, you know, like, but when you see I spent 10 hours on social media, but I don't have time to meet up with my sister for dinner. That's clear. Like, okay, reallocate, right? sort of pull out from social media. So just knowing so clearly, that's one way to offset um, procrastination, particularly because it's so easy to do when you're, you know, with scrolling as that's a, a prime example of how we procrastinate. Yeah. I remember reading that chapter and just thinking like, wow, that is like such a good tool just to kind of, you know, have it all written out, even though, you, like you said, it is tedious to write down, you know, every second of every day. But I think that would really be helpful because you see it out in front of you like, okay, what did I get done this week? And you're like, wow. And then also really noticing like the things that actually make you happy because you can list off a bunch of things, but then maybe in real time, they don't actually bring you that much happiness. Yeah. Definitely. That's what I was going to add. I read something earlier this week about how a lot of people like say, oh, my social media scroll time is me time. And I love social media just like the next person. But 
you know, we get on TikTok and it's not normal to spend 30 minutes watching like someone's trauma, someone's best thing that's ever happened to them, like someone doing a dance, all these different things our brain are absorbing. And I found that after that kind of scroll time, I was just emotionally exhausted. Like I've gone on like 12 different journeys in 30 minutes and I'm emotionally drained. So I think just having that to look at and on physical paper would be such a game changer. I'm definitely going to put that into effect this week because I'm kind of on an energy conservation journey right now, trying to pinpoint things that take a lot of energy away. And I think seeing it in front of me, I'm a visual learner. I think that would make a huge difference for me. Totally. And it's not just conserving. Like when you then reallocate that time towards your happiest activities, then it's actually energy giving. Like those experiences that you come out of, like the dinner with your sister, you come out of it and you're like, feel so energized and so full. And, um, and then like excited, you know, excited for like whatever is next, the next day. And so it's really those, yeah, it's minimizing the drain, <laughs> the wasted time and maximizing and making, and it's not, again, it's not about spending a lot more time. It's about making sure that you spend the time in the first place of those things that matter, like the dinner with your sister or meeting up with your friends for dinner after work, as opposed to like just going home, like, oh, I'm tired. I'm just going to veg on the couch, whether scrolling or binge, you know, TV. You're like, oh, I don't have time and I'm tired. But if you actually went out and met up with your friends for dinner, then you're like, oh my God, that like fills you and gives you energy. Um, so it's just committing to getting out and doing that. And one of the ways that you can commit is just recognizing how important. And so um, an analogy that I find so helpful, um, and you will get to a later chapter, but I'll share it with you now because I think it's really sticky and helps motivate to spend on the important things is, and it's actually very well depicted in a short film that I share in the first day of the course. And in the film, like a professor walks into his classroom and on a desk, he puts a large clear jar. And then from his bag, he pulls out golf balls and he pours the golf balls into the jar such that they reach the very top. And he asks the students, is the jar full? And the students sort of um, nod their heads. They're like, yeah, it looks full. He's like, nope. And then from the uh, bag, he pulls out pebbles and he pours the pebbles into the jar and the pebbles fill the spaces around the golf balls up to the very top. And he asks the students, is the jar full? And the students nod their head. Yes, it looks full. It's like, nope. And then from the bag, he pulls out sand and he pours the sand into the jar and the sand fills all those spaces between the pebbles, between the golf balls up to the very top. And he asks the students again, is the jar full? And by this point, the students are like, yes, and laughing, the jar looks full. And then, but there's one last step. He pulls out two bottles of beer, opens one, pours it in, opens the other, and takes a sip. And then he explains that this jar is the time of your life. The golf balls are all those things that really matter to you, your relationship with your family, your friendships, the work that, that you love to do that sort of is aligned with your purpose. The pebbles are the other things that matter, like work, your job, and your house. The sand is everything else. The sand is all of that stuff that fills your time 
without you even thinking about it or noticing like this rolling, right? The stuff that just sort of comes and fills your time. And what's really important to recognize is that had he put the sand into the jar first, all of the golf balls wouldn't have fit into the jar. And so that goes to show that we have to prioritize time for our golf balls. We have to make time for dinner, you know, with your sister, for the part of your work that really sort of fulfills you. And, you know, and also one of the students was like, well, professor, what's the deal with the beer? And he's like, glad you asked. And it goes to show that no matter how full your time feels, Mm -hmm. you always have time for a drink with a friend, which also highlights that (laughs) there are these things these relationships that we ha- we do have to make time for, even when we're so busy. And so I think it's so important to note what are your golf balls? Like, what are those things that really matter to you? And make the time. Put them into your schedule. Put them into your calendar so that you protect the time and you actually do spend the time. So in those busy weeks, you're not like, oh, I don't have the time. Like, it's in your calendar, so go, you know? Because once you do go, then you always come out being like, oh, thank gosh I did that. That was so worth it. And that's yeah. the energy giver that, like, makes the week feel full and satisfying. I love that analogy. That I know. so great. I think why your book resonated with me so much is I feel like I'm – you know, a a pretty intentional person when it comes to my relationships and just like the things that I do, I feel like, you know, I try to be very intentional about it. But I feel like with my time, I just kind of gotten into like autopilot mode with it. And I wasn't being intentional. I was just kind of letting the days happen to me versus like, you know, really prioritizing the golf balls, as you would Mm say. Um, So I don't know, it kind of just like slapped me in the face a little bit and just kind of woke me up and like, you know, what am I doing? Like I'm skipping out on dinner with my friends to come home. And like you said, lay on the couch. Like, no, absolutely not. Because you do leave those dinners and you feel happier. And, you know, like you said, you have more energy to do more things versus just, you know, being drained from looking at other people on Instagram. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And taking the time to also like look at the things that maybe you think are golf balls that might just be like a lot of sand balled up in a circle. <laughs> like, does it like sometimes I do things and I'm like, this, you know, on paper is an activity that should fill me up, but maybe like the people I'm going with, they don't fill me up. And so, really looking at like, are you prioritizing like the right people, places, and things? And I think that analogy just hits super deep. So, I love yeah. that. Yeah. And that's why, honestly, time tracking is really important. So, because it's not this sort of general notion of like, oh, socializing is good, so all socialize, but it allows you to see, okay, actually, when I'm with these people, I come out and I feel really positive. Mm-hmm. Notably with, you know, coming out of an interaction here, not so much. So that's yeah. really informative. So it's looking at reflecting, and then you can also do it without even time tracking, but just reflecting back instead of thinking more generally and thinking forward, like, oh, what are things I like to do? Looking back and being like, when in the last few weeks did I feel the happiest? Like what Mm. were those moments that I felt most joyful, most fulfilled? And even that reflection, but looking back, there's a lot of information there too. 
um, because it helps you sort of pull away from these general ideas of like what I do like or what I should like. And actually it's like this activity made me feel a particular way Mm -hmm. and there's information in that. And that's that reflection and identification then is what should inform the design of what you do prioritize and what your golf balls really are. Um, This is kind of a dual sided question, I guess, but so I kind of struggle with like feeling guilt over time. Like if I'm, you know, not doing something quote unquote productive, then I just have that kind of guilt that weighs on me. And then I feel like it's hard to disconnect one because of that. And two, because, you know, now that we are in this world where it's like we're working, we're working remotely and people are accessible all the time. Like, how do you find that time just to disconnect and relax and feel okay about it? Yeah. And it's so important um, because what I strongly encourage is an overarching shift of, you know, when I am talking about time management, a lot of what traditionally is thought of as like getting things done so that you are more productive. It's about efficiency as the goal of getting as much done as quickly as possible so you can check off. Mm. That's bad. <laughs> what it should be instead is investing time in things that are worthwhile. So what's worthwhile is the goal, not efficiency. And with what's worthwhile, then you actually, it's not about checking something off to get through it more quickly. It's actually about when you're spending the time making the most of it. And sometimes that is to fully relax and to give yourself space to sort of move from this doing mode into more of a being mode. And like, this is the time for me to think. This is the time for me to like fully like get rejuvenated or this is the time for me to like spend with my friends in that you know really fulfilling way and one actually strategy that came out of some experiments that I ran which is so simple is to make the most of our time off that we do have so our weekends most we get weekends off Um, but it doesn't feel like a break because we're still in doing mode. We're sort of still going through like checking off chores, checking off almost like these social activities of like, it's something that you're meant to do and you get through it and then go move on to the next. We're still in that doing mode. But what we found is that when people treat their weekends like a vacation and they return to work happier and they enjoy their weekend more. And this was in experiments where we like randomly aside, we told half of the randomly half of the participants treat this weekend like a vacation. We told the others treat this weekend like a regular weekend. And then we followed them. And like on Monday, those that were treating it like a vacation felt happier. And it was really interesting because actually looking at why it wasn't really that they spent their time differently. It was their mindset. Yeah. they were more in this, they were more present in what they were doing. It allowed them to sort of give themselves that space. Like when you think about like oh, vacation, it's just space where you're not feeling like you have to be on and getting stuff done. It's just the break that you really need. So even that, you know, as we were earlier talking about that sort of sense of time poverty and sort of always in this go and doing mode. 
mm-hmm. of carving out the time that we do have off of being like, it's okay. This is like, this is like vacation. This is a break. And it, even if it's only for a couple hours, it's like Wednesday night, that's my vacation night, you know? Yeah. yeah. Totally I love that. How you approach it. Definitely. And just kind of shows the power of mindset and mentality yeah. and just how we treat things. Cause I'm sure like the participants weren't getting on a plane and flying to Mexico, but like just <laughs> the way that they overall felt in, in their minds. So I'm really glad that you shared that. I love what you said about um, being and versus doing. My yeah. therapist tells me this every time I see her, but she was like, she's always like, you know, you need to focus on being a human being and not a human doer. Yeah. Yes. The doing is such a big thing for me. So I think I, I really like that you said that. Yeah, definitely. Um, something that we like to ask all of our guests towards the end of our interview is, do you have a mantra or maybe a quote that you're living by right now or that you're kind of operating around? Um, I think it, I don't know if it's a quote as much as just how important it is to savor and cherish and treasure those simple moments of joy that mm-hmm. are right there in our lives already. Um, and, and reflecting of like, what are, like, what are those things that bring me joy? And when you're doing them, just sort of soak it up because there's so much potential happiness in the time that we're already spending. Mm-hmm. And we just want to make sure that we don't miss it. <laughs> so yeah. it doesn't pass by without our noticing because, and so that's sort of what I've been thinking a lot about is just savoring those simple joys. Oh my goodness. That's amazing. That's a good point. Yeah. It's just like, you know, it's like being in the car and like not paying attention on what's going, you know, behind the window because you're looking down or on your phone or something and just like stopping in the moment and be like, you know what? I just had this really great latte and it's bringing me so much joy and just like sitting there and kind of, you know, just having that mindset of like, wow, this is amazing. And just not just passing by like, oh, okay, great. I had my coffee done. That's a good, that's a good way to operate. I think very intentionally. Yeah, I agree. And I just think that I'm in a season of life right now where I'm soaking in everything you're saying because it's just something that I've been working on, especially is just kind of feeling burnt out and time management in general. So I feel like everything you're saying, I'm like, it's exactly what I needed to hear. And I think that everyone listening can feel the same way because it's normal to feel burnt out like we're human beings. And I just feel like I learned so much from this interview. So I can't thank you enough for coming on here because I think this is really what I needed to hear today. Well, but I'm I'm glad that it's sticking and hopefully mm-hmm. – Hopefully, it makes you sort of happier. <laughs> Absolutely. Kathy, before we close out, where can people yeah. find you? Um, so I <laughs> I don't spend a lot of time on social media for all the reasons that we said. Um, but my website, CassieMHolmes.com, has um, a lot of information on my research and the book. And then also, on, honestly, the book... I worked really hard to sort of pull all of these insights together in a way that is like applicable and resonant. So, you know, whether it's audiobook, you will hear my voice for many hours. Yeah. <laughs> I'm the one that narrated it. Um, but I think that that's also hopefully a wonderful source and resource for folks. Yeah. I mean, I'm not even. 
I'm not even finished with it, guys, but I can't recommend it enough. It's incredible. I can't wait to get in the bath tonight and keep going. (laughs) We will link your website and the link to order the book in our show notes so our readers, so our listeners can find that. And um, yeah, just thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, it's a treat. Thank you guys for having me.